Welcome to the Verite Podcast. My name is Sheena Souza, and I am honored to share my truth with you. The truth as I know it, what I have discovered and am discovering along this journey of life. Some will be universal truths, and some will be entirely subjective. But my hope is that as you listen to this, you will discover your own truths as we are all living and loving and learning together. Welcome back to the podcast. I have been wanting to sit and record this topic for a very long time. And I'm sitting across from my dear friend who I've known for, gosh, how long have we known? 10 years? More? More than that? Yeah. Yeah. Because our kids are, yeah, yeah, maybe 13 13 years. And we've been wanting to sit and chat about this topic and our schedules finally aligned. So here we are. I'm with Miss Alicia Wright, and we are going to talk about divorce, and more specifically, divorce in Christian circles, in the church, in faith-based communities, and the pain that that causes, the judgment. Um, We're going to talk about a lot, and it's a heavy topic, and I want to do, we want to both do our best to honor both of our faith and honor what we believe to be true for us. And also honor other people's stories and other and hold space for other people's pain. And life is not black and white. So here we go. So Alicia, tell us a little bit about your life, uh, maybe childhood a little bit, and then when, how old you were when you got married. Okay. Hi. I'm so excited to be on here with you. Um, I did not grow up in the church. I was raised by more or less hippie parents. And um, I became a Christian at 17 at the Billy Graham crusade. Mm. And um, it was like the first time I'd ever seen young people super excited and happy about anything. Like the joy Mm. was just so great. And that actually is what made me decide to be a Christian. So um, I I had fumbled my way through it for the first couple of years. And then um, I met my soon to be husband uh, we met in January. We were engaged in February, and we were married in August. So everything was very fast. How old were you when you met? I, I was twenty-one. Okay. So yeah, twenty-one when I met and married him. And um, it at the time it was like dating was not a thing. Like you kind mm-hmm. of just hung out in groups. That's just the courtship model. Yeah, you I hang that. out in groups. You kiss dating goodbye. Right. Josh and, <laughs> yeah. And um and then I actually thought at the time, like, yeah, this is great, especially having come from kind of a more wild background. Mm. Um, I was like, ooh, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. I didn't have like a bunch of shame uh, in about my past or my background because I didn't grow up being shamed. So I did not have all that, but I was like, oh, so this is what we do now. Structure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll follow. I'll follow in line. Mm. And, um, and it felt good at the time, you know, I was doing the right thing. So, um, we met, we went out, you know, for the first time and he proposed with a ring. So it was, it was like, oh, okay. So the first time you were alone is when he proposed. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I felt I had prayed actually. Mm. I had prayed and was like, I, I have picked wrong people in the past mm. and I am not going to, obviously I'm not a good judge of who to pick. So I'm going to let you pick for me, God. And I need it to be like very obvious, like a sign. Mm. Like I need it to be so clear because otherwise I might pick wrong. So, um, 
it felt like at the time, this was that sign. It seemed like, um, you know, I admire audacity and I was like, oh, this guy's audacious. Like he just proposed on the very first date with a ring. That's like, yeah, the guy who knows what he wants, like it. Um, so, um, but obviously we didn't know each other at all. So, okay. So let me interject real quick. So you were married at 21. Mm -hmm. I was engaged at 19, married at 20, first kid at 21. I would never, knowing what I know now, I would never advise anyone to get married young. Yeah. So same with you. You would, yeah. Yeah. People asked us over the years, like, um, you know, wow, your story is so like quick. Would you advise this? And I just said, you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it for other people, but it worked for us at the time. All right. So I thought, um, you know, I think once you make the choice and you're, you're, this is your committed belief, you stand behind it and you kind of just do it. You know, there's no other alternative, you know, you just do the thing. Yeah. So let's dive into how long were you guys married for? We were married. Technically, we still are. Our divorce isn't final. Mm-hmm. Um, we were married, though, before, you know, before we decided to end it, it was 19 years. Okay. And you have children? Yep. We have five kids. So, okay. So that's a whole other, you know, added mm-hmm. element, too. Right. So as you're going through your marriage, maybe explain a little bit about when you first were like, oh, I might have, or I don't want to put words in your mouth. You tell me what you were thinking. Right. I, um, I can't, I, I don't want to say in any way that it was a mistake Hmm. because I feel like we all make choices and, um, and I mean, definitely we are, you know, grown, we've grown so much from our experience and, um, definitely in the beginning, we started out having problems. We were in counseling, like probably our first six months with actually our first month of marriage. Yeah. We went to a marriage counseling wow. in the church, you yeah. know, and, um, had to, had to work out some stuff and it really didn't get resolved. Yeah. Um, we actually waited six years before having kids. So we had six years to kind of try and figure this out before we decided to have kids. And it just, there was just constant, um, you know, a non-resolve. Yeah. And I think, both of us, um, you know, I'm not going to get into any details of our of our situation. I mean, those are personal. Those are for my ex and for me. Yeah. And I want to honor and, um, you know, let him walk out his mm-hmm. life with dignity. And um, he's a good person. He's the father of my kids. Mm. I totally respect him for that. And so, um, but, you know, we definitely had problems early on. And it really, really felt, and I don't know, you know, I, I think he said this to me at different points. Like we just kind of speak different languages. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, we just don't connect. We don't understand each other. Yeah. And um, if we had the, had taken the opportunity to get to know each other, maybe we would have figured that out ahead of time, but we didn't. And um, there's no one doing that. Right. So, okay. So what would you say then to... Someone who would go, well, you had six years before you had kids to get to know each other and work on it. What would you say to that? Um, well, we definitely did spend a lot of time and effort and energy trying to make the best of it. Um, I think that was like a constant thought, like, I'm going to do the right thing here. I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah. it and I think... Um, 
you know, my expectations of wanting to feel connected and, you know, the things that mattered to me or the things that, that spoke love to me, um, were, you know, uh, were something different for him. And, um, I think I'm not going to speak for him at all, but I'm going to speak for myself and say that, you know, for 19 years, it was very lonely. It was very lonely being in a relationship where there should be this expectation, uh, of connectivity, and it, it, it wasn't there. So, um, you know, it felt very lonely for me and I, I, I was committed. And if you, anyone had even asked me a year or more, a, a year, you know, up to a year before we decided to call it off. Um, if you imagine, if I had imagined getting a divorce, I would have said no. Hmm. Um, I, it, it really literally wasn't an option in my mind. And I think that's the case for so many people. And, um, I, I have actually a problem with, you know, that, that thought divorce is not an option mm. because, um, because it actually is an option and, um, it's an option because the statistics show up to 50% of marriages yeah. end in divorce, including so, Christian marriages. In, yes. Including Christian marriages. And, um, the biggest reason is cited was for incompatibility and then it goes, uh, in, infidelity mm, yeah. and then financial, uh, complications or whatever. So, um, being that it is an actual option, I have a problem with people and including, I would have said myself at the time, I mm. felt the same way, you know, to, to say it's not an option is to stick your head in the sand or to plug your ears and go la 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 la. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, if, if Christians considered it as an option, maybe everyone would work a little harder. I mean, I, mm. I, I think, I mean, I worked hard, but the end result it, 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 it still, it still was the same. And I mean, people might, and have said to me throughout, uh, you know, now that, now that we have, you know, called it off, people have said to me things like, um, you just have to work harder. And, um, you know, nobody, nobody lives inside of another person's relationship aside from those people. And nobody knows the extent in which another person worked hard. And, um, if another person is working so hard, if one person comes to me and says, hey, I'm working so hard to keep it all together and you aren't, aren't working hard, you called it quits, I would, you know, throw my arm around that person's neck and say, absolutely, go. You know, you worked hard. That's great. I'm not going to tell you what you should do or how you should um, respond in your circumstance. Like, if that's what you feel called to do, then let's then do that. And I'm going to stand with you. I'll hold space for you yeah. in your choice to continue. Um, for, for me, it, it, it wasn't that way. 19 years is a long time to feel lonely. Yeah. And to feel disconnected. Yep. From what's supposed to be your closest, most intimate relationship. Yeah. There's a, there's a great quote by Glennon Doyle. Um, she wrote, if a woman has to choose between saving her soul and saving her marriage, she needs to save her soul. And I'm, I, when I read that, I was like, Wow. And, you know, some people can go, well, that's selfish. Um, what are your thoughts on that quote? Um, well, I would say it's 100% true just because, um, and I, I, I really toiled with this um, when I was in the process of making this decision. And I, I went through this process called fear setting. I didn't know it was a thing, but I actually learned after uh, that it is a thing where people uh, and you could look it up, fear setting. But um, I laid in my bed and I conjured up the crappiest oh, that's right. things I, I could this. possibly think of. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it, it, as a result of these choices. And, um, for example, for example, um, what if my kids get so angry at me, at me yeah. they never speak to me again? Yeah. What if all my friends decide that they don't want to be friends with a divorced person? Uh, what if, um, what if I can't find a job and support myself mm-hmm. or, uh, because I had not worked for 12 years, you know, mm-hmm. and I had no job. It's not like I lined it all up. You know, I, de- I took a leap there yeah. and, um, I, I had to hit the ground running in that regard. Um, so, so you imagined worst case scenario. Like, I did. No I friends. laid in my bed and I, I made myself as scared as possible. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I, I literally got so scared and was, and, and I weighed the options and, um, if I, I would have been kidding myself if I thought I could continue and provide some sort of quality relationship with my kids as I continued to get more and more depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is not a benefit to anyone. Um, I would not have been able to nurture and nourish my children in, in that state. Wow. So you said that one of your fears was, what if my friends don't want to be friends with a divorcee? Will, will they still be my friends? Um, how did you work through that? Well, um, or did it come true? uh, Actually a little (laughs) bit of both. I want to say, um, that at this point where we're recording this, where we're talking, I've been through over a year of therapy Hmm. and some of that has been weekly. A lot of it was weekly and then bi-weekly and then once a month. By the way, we have the same therapist. (laughs) She's amazing. She's amazing. (laughs) She's amazing. Um, so this is coming out of a long batch of intensive, intensive yeah. therapy in, in which I could come and, you know, gush out and, um, you know, she helped frame things for me and that that's been really good. So I have had a very consistent and solid Christian counselor yeah. who, um, who has invested in me. So, um, as far as relationships though, and friendships, it, it was tricky because, mm-hmm. and I would have said I had a, a collection of really good and quality best friends. Um, and they're all, they're all very quality people, very high, the highest of quality. Um, but I, I think that this topic is scary for people because mm-hmm. it causes people to think about the insufficiencies in their own relationship. And they look at a seemingly solid couple and say, Hey, if it happened to them, Oh my God, it could happen to me. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think that, I think that most people, um, are pretty pain adverse. You know, they don't want to think about those kind of possibilities. And so, you know, seeing someone and in the beginning I was flailing about, you know, I was definitely not doing well. Um, and, um, you know, seeing somebody in that state, it triggering their own fears and, and insecurities of their potentially their own relationships. Um, it, I think it was really hard for people. It was hard for people in two ways. You know, I was definitely a gaping wound and, 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 and you know, it needy, but um, it also is that fear of, um, you know, what if this happens to me? Yeah. And even on the flip side of that, I can speak to that a little bit. I remember finding out when, the pastor who married Toss and I, who was my youth pastor growing up, someone that I just like absolutely respect, great, great, great man. Recently, I found out that he and his wife got divorced. And I, ha- I had this moment of, oh, 
no wow. one's safe. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and obviously I know that because Toss and I have been through so much and we've talked about divorce so many times and that's a whole separate episode. But, you know, there's still that, wow, if they, wow. You know, right. so I can, I can definitely understand being on the, the end of that. Right, right. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are white knuckling it through their marriages, you know, and, and I did for a long time, you know, so I completely understand that position. Um, and um, I just think um, the problem and, you know, it, this is something that we need to think about as Christians. And I'm not going to say I have the answers. I am not a theologian. I am not someone who has all the answers, but I definitely can identify a problem. And that's that. Um, I think our culture, our Christian culture, idolizes the institute of marriage over the two individuals that make it up. And um, if it's truly about relationship, if it's if a marriage is truly about relationship, then um, the people need to be more important than the, the than the institute of it and the and contract. The, yeah, and the contract. I found a lot of comfort at the church I was attending at the time, and the pastor had said um, in one of the messages. I was really digging all of his sermons because he he preaches in an expository way and he was going through a lot of uh, text and it was very good. He was talking about how people would come to him and say, I just want to be married. I just want to be married. That was me. Single people who are like, I am dying to get married. Yep. And that was me also yeah. at a very young age, not even knowing what I was asking for, right? Right. <laughs> but um, even he's talking about people who are, who are, you know, older singles would be saying, I just want to be married. And I... I understand that. Obviously, I'm not in that. I wasn't in that place, so I can't fully relate to older yeah. singles. But, uh, um, but he was saying that um, it's not. It doesn't. You cannot do it by yourself. You cannot have a contract of marriage alone. It requires another person. It's it's you and another person, and the the whole uh, the whole contract is only a contract because there's relationship. It's not a one-sided relationship. Right. You can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. It is it is about it is initiated in relationship. And it is it is the 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 contract that is the commitment we make with each other throughout our relationship. Mm -hmm. If there's no relationship, if there's at the absence of a relationship, mm. um I can't I can't believe that it's all of, we we should idolize this contract. So let's talk about the Bible. Okay, let's, let's because I, you and I both believe in our Creator. Yeah, we uh, we have lots of sermons in us. Yeah, lots of biblical training, lots of schooling. Yeah, between the both of us, and the Bible is full of contradictions. True or false? You know what? It is unintelligent to actually think otherwise. Yeah, because you know it's not something that. Um, we want to say as Christians, it's not something that we want to believe, but to not see that mm -hmm. is unintelligent. Right. Right. And um, we can explain our way around it. And you know what? I I personally believe, and I've said this to all kinds of friends. I've said it to Christian friends, and I've said it to Muslim friends, and mm -hmm. I've said it to atheist friends. Um, there are just certain things that we cannot know about the Bible. Yeah. It doesn't explain everything. There's There's things about... God's plan and his will. And there's things about him we cannot know on this side mm -hmm. of heaven. And it's just something I am willing to accept. But to say that it is without contradiction is just unintelligent. Yeah. So do you believe that divorce is a sin? Um, it would be like 
me saying that uh, gossiping is not a sin or judging is not a sin, you know, or it is a sin. It it is. And it isn't. I think everybody's Mm. situation is so completely different. And to say it's not nuanced and to say there's no gray areas is just, is just not right. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, we have so many different things that make up a person and a relationship that um, to have a universal law over the whole thing, um, it is not consistent with the character of God that I know. It is, it is totally consistent with the character of God that I know to say that relationship is prevalent over law, that it is, it is his love for us. He first loved us while we were still sinners. He first loved us. He knows our propensities. He knows he's made us a certain way. And if I, and I have many, many times tried to be without sin and Mm -hmm. we've all tried to be without sin, but it's impossible. So, you know, maybe, maybe for some people it absolutely is. Um, Coming from a place of selfishness, greed, right? Whatever, whatever's going on with that person. Right. I think that, you know, I'm not going to judge other people as far as if their motives are nefarious or malevolent, you know, but I know for me and my situation, I think it would have been a sin to keep going because it's, it's not um, honoring my other person, you know, my person I'm married to. It's not modeling something for my kids that uh, I want them to emulate. It's definitely, wow. you know, I, I want them to have health and growth and um, have a partnership that that they that they will feel seen and heard and understood. You know, not you know, not modeling something. And there have been comments my my oldest has made over the years, like, "Hey, how come you guys aren't so snuggly like so and so?" This other couple, you know, there's things that they kids noticed. Absolutely. And um, you know we did what worked for us and, and it worked and it only worked for so long, you know, until it did it, it stopped working. You know what too, in no other relationship are we expected to tolerate being misjudged and misunderstood to the point of deep depression. Hmm. You know, marriage is supposed to be a partnership in which we love and support one another. Um, but yet for some reason, you know, we, it's acceptable to, um, to stay in this arrangement in which we are not understood just for the sake of having made a commitment that honestly at 21, I didn't even understand. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then also say that marriage is the best and highest form of relationship and commitment. Um, it's, it's hard. Mm. So how many people do you personally know that, have long marriages, long-term marriages that are healthy, that you can observe are healthy marriages, healthy relationships? Gosh, that's really hard because I can't think of, I, I can't not think many. of one person yeah. that in my mind right now. Um, and I'm not idealizing it by any means mm-hmm. because having been in a 19 year marriage, I know what it, I know that it's hard work. So, um, you know, and I don't, let me just stop you right there. I just want to say for the listener who doesn't, who may not know Alicia, that it is not that you went without hard work in this. I just want to re- reiterate that point. 19 years of being committed and working at something, that takes a lot of stamina, a lot of discipline, a lot of grit, a lot of focus, 
a lot of sacrifice. Uh, and uh, for me, I have to say a lot of emotional resilience. Yeah. Because, uh, and I think that that is, is actually a gift, mm-hmm. you know, through this process because it is hard. It's hard. It's hard. Um, I listened to someone talk the other day and um, it was a, it was a podcast and they said that, um, that there is no way you're going to go through this life without people breaking your heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to have people breaking our heart all the time. I just wonder, is there some way that, you know, leaders in the church or people in, in health as healthy marriages as they come can still be honest and yet not be triggered in their own relationship? Like, how can we be honest? How can we have an honest dialogue with people who are looking to get married, um, you know, or how can counselors within the church be resourceful and useful? Because what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, people try church counseling and then they go get real help. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, that is a problem in my mind. Like, uh, yeah. it, it really it really says the church is irrelevant in this way. Mm. And that's sad. Yeah. Aren't we supposed to uphold each other and, you know, lift each other up and bear one another's burdens? How can we do that if we're all so repressed in our own relationships that if people want to come talk about it, they can't, we can't. I think there's a lot of denial going on. Right. It, it's like, let us hold fast to the Institute of Marriage, lest we might fall into something ourselves. Let us you know, hold fast to this concept and not look to the left or the right yeah. so that we could only focus on this one thing mm-hmm. so we don't trip. You know, and I think that is just, that cannot be the heart of God. That cannot be the heart of God for his people. I think that the, the church holds fast to divorce breaks the heart of God. I, uh, my therapist said to me, the reason that God hates divorce is because it hurts his people because his people are hurting in the process of it. And I mean, truly, I mean, divorce is a, pro- a legal pro- process that you go through to end a relationship, mm-hmm. a marriage. However, divorce happens in the heart long before that. You know, there is a severing of relationship. There is a breakdown of relationship that is heartbreaking. It is not just, um, you know, the letdown of expectations. It is, there is so much wrapped up in the severing of a relationship that one that you had expected would be your foundation, you know, or your... Until um, you die. Until you die, right. This is the person that I'm going to be with until I die. You know, and at a certain point, if that feels like a life sentence to you, you know, there's a problem because it it should be something in which you can support and uplift each other. And I mean, it's gritty and messy and dirty and, you know, it is not clean and idealized. And that was what your therapist, our therapist was saying, breaks the heart of God, the way that it, in our culture, how divorce, uh, you know, goes about with you treating how you treat the other person and how messy and right. painful it can get. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, when we first, you know, decided that this is where things were heading, I read a book called mm. um, Better Apart. Yeah, by Miss Selena Brower. Yeah, and that was so helpful. I bought a copy for myself. I bought a copy for my ex. And, um, you know, doing it well was of my of of the utmost priority in my mind because divorcing kids, well divorcing divorcing well divorcing with dignity with with dignity because it 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 gives you personal dignity but also 
the um, the um, ongoing effect on the the kids. Yeah. Um, and I've I've been through you know a couple different mediators in this process. You know, uh, talking about uh, therapy, talking in therapy about what's best for the kids, and um, statistically speaking, and obviously experientially speaking from my therapist standpoint, the thing that hurts kids about divorce is when parents cannot treat each other with respect and yes. dignity. Yeah. And um, if it, kids are half one parent and half another parent, so if if I am going to say something bad about my ex, the part of my kids that that he makes up mm-hmm. is going to feel hurt at war with themselves. Yeah, totally. They, I've really tried to make, to, to um, make sure that they do not feel tension around, like around me in regards to my ex. Yeah. Like trying to keep that very separate is, um, is hard, but it is also absolutely necessary mm-hmm. for their health and their security and their well-being. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to an issue we were talking about earlier in regards to friendships, the church. How best can we as believers, faith-filled people, help each other navigate this really messy gray area? Well, um, for the listener who is super lonely in their marriage, um, I would say get into therapy as soon as you can. Hmm. Like go talk to someone. And if you're, if your other, if your person doesn't want to go, that's fine. Yeah. Just go get help for yourself. And you know what? You might find that in that process, it's not too late that you'll be able to recalibrate and make things work. And obviously that would be the best plan. Yeah. Um, if you could find a way to recalibrate and, um, and, and, and thrive in a situation that may not be ideal, because let's face it, nothing is ideal. No marriage is going to be ideal. Um, If you can get into some solid um, licensed therapy, Mm -hmm. do it at whatever cost, Yeah, at whatever, because divorce is expensive. You think therapy for a hundred bucks a session is expensive? (laughs) Try divorce. It's much more. Oh gosh. You know, I, uh, in the beginning of Elena's book, Better Apart, she was very very clear that you can read this book and listen to, you know, the advice, the advice that she gives. And there's another co-author on the book. And you may discover that you're better together. You might be better together once you go through all the different, you know, questions and and topics, but you may discover you're better apart. Right. And And that's okay. Yeah. I think that really, really is a very personal thing and nobody can decide it for you. And, um, even your other, even your person, you know, there's, you cannot let anyone decide that for you. You have to make that choice. And, um, you know, sometimes, and I've watched, I've watched my friends having been in a 19 year marriage. I have a lot of friends that are in marriages that are those in those, Mm -hmm. you know, that year range and, um, you know, watching my friends who are still married, you know, in, in, going through all of the the difficult, gritty, ugly, dirty, you know, struggle uh, of, of all of that. And, and still working at it is a beautiful thing. Mm. I mean, it's a beautiful thing uh, to, to watch. And, um, you know, that, you know, probably is a higher, a higher way if you can recalibrate and make it work. But, you know, if there's no, if, if it just is going to be a toxic situation for you and your person, 
then then yeah, better apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot you cannot be a well for anyone when you're dry and parched. Yeah. And and de- you cannot offer anyone anything if you've deficit spent to the point where you're so bankrupt yeah. emotionally. So get yourself in counseling. Yeah, definitely. And I would say for the listener that knows that has friend a friend or you know knows someone going through something like this, um, and, and you want to be a support, you know it, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be faced with, and you're going to be triggered with, you know, your own potential desire to, you know, maybe break things off with your person. So, um, you know, that's a a real trigger and a fear that I think most people have. But um, I think that there's also a very common thing that happens people are confronted with, especially if you are friends with both partners. If you and your partner are friends with the other couple couple, couple friends, yeah, you are posed with a Oh no, we've got to choose sides. Mm-hmm. That's like the common like, and it's not like you don't say that, right? But it's this natural like, wow, okay. And it, you don't have to choose sides. I'm no. not saying that, but right. I'm saying there's a natural thing that happens that well, people are confronted with, right? And I think that you know, like for myself, you know, in 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 my pain, I felt in the in the beginning initially like I needed to campaign for myself. And I mean, that quickly, I quickly dropped that because mm. I, I, I realized I don't need to campaign for myself. I don't have any, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. This is my own, my own story. Yeah. This is my own journey. And I'm going to make this decision because it's right for me and my kids. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, whether another person is on board with that or not, I, I cannot I cannot right. do do right. <laughs> that, but um, and I we don't talk, you guys. We don't talk about this stuff lightly. I mean, my husband and her ex husband, they were best friends. They were really close, best friends. Yeah. So this is not. I'm not entering into this topic lightly. This right. is it gets sticky. And I've had I've had a few people say to me, "Hey, we're not picking sides," and um, at first it stung, like ouch, you know, but. Um, but it's actually better. Mm. You know, I don't ever want to put anyone in a position where they need to pick sides. Yeah. And, um, and there are also people that have an idea about me and they have an idea about my ex. Um, we, we've been in leadership in the church for years and he even, he was even a worship leader for a lot of years. They cannot have that image disrupted, mm. uh, in their, where they are in, in their personal growth and in their journey, you know, they don't even want to talk about our relationship or, or the divorce or any of that because it, 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 um, it kind of undoes something. And I mm-hmm. think it, it just disrupts something so core. They cannot, they cannot go there. Mm-hmm. It's this pain aversion that yeah. I, you know, that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's, it's too painful. Yeah. Um, and I think it really is about, um, it's really about that, that personal challenge where like it makes us look at ourselves and think, Oh, you know, if it happened yeah. to them, what could happen to me? Yeah. So I've seen you go through therapy week after week, month after month for over a year now. And I've seen you just really dig in deep on what is it about you that you can work on, that you can learn from grow in your perspective. How can you be a better woman? Um, I, I've seen you heal a lot this year, mm-hmm. but I know that it's it's come at a really high personal cost to you. Absolutely. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that um, everybody has this responsibility to self-reflect. I mean, in, in order for us to 
grow at all, we have to self-reflect and that's painful. We have to look at, you know, our own insufficiencies really clearly so that, so that we can adequately make the changes that we need to make. And, um, you know, it's, it's those nights where I'm in my bed and I'm doing that fear setting exercise Mm -hmm. at night, you know, or, um, and I mean, it, it hits me like sometimes completely out of the blue. And I've texted you like, ah, you know, Mm -hmm. like I've, I've reached out to my closest friends and been like, oh, I'm an orphan. I'm alone. I have no safety net. There's nothing there that's going to catch me if I totally don't make it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of things I've had to figure out at once and, um, you know, job and kids going to school after homeschooling their whole lives. And I mean, there, it has been a whirlwind of figuring things out and, um, it's been, you know, messy and, uh, you know, definitely I have not been everyone's first pick to hang out with, <laughs> but you're uh, mine. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, it and has, it has nothing to do with because you're local. You are local here, which is <laughs> nice, but still, even if you weren't. Yay. Um, I want to be not local. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I sound kind of like upbeat and maybe even somewhat together, but the reality is that's not the case all the time. Yeah. I am. I have high highs and low lows. That's what it's my four on the Enneagram, INFJ, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> personality. And I definitely feel things so deeply. And at times it feels suffocating. Um, it feels, uh, so painful. Like it hurts so much. Um, but at the end of the day, I would choose this again. I would choose it again because there is a part of me that feels more alive than I have felt in years. And, um, I can't unknow what I know now. Um, and it, if, for those of you who are feeling, you know, very alone, reach out. Yeah. Can you share what you said this the other day? I think we were out at dinner. You had said some, something like you were laying in bed and you said to God, God, if you've, if you've ever loved me, right. Can you mm-hmm. share that? Yeah. So, um, maybe I, I, I kind of have this like Uh, maybe I'm not reading my Bible as much as I ever did in the past, Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm not attending three church services in a weekend or, you know, all of the things we kind of like do to measure ourselves. And actually, you know, even Christian friends are like, so have you been attending church lately? You know, all of these things were like, (laughs) you're divorcee. (laughs) Yeah. Let me, let me gauge what kind of how, what degree of backslidden you are. Right. (laughs) Uh, um, But I, I honestly, like, it's not even every day it's, but it's multiple times a week. And I catch myself in my bed or Mm. at my work or, um, you know, doing, I walk into a networking meeting in which I, for business in in which I don't know a single person. I'm walking into a restaurant or a bar, Mm. you know, here to network as an introvert (laughs) for my marketing business, my sales business, um, where I'm like, Oh crap, I don't know anybody Mm. here you know, in those moments of vulnerability or in moments where I feel strong, I say, I have said, God, if you've ever loved me, if I was ever your girl, I still am, or I never was. Mm. I either never was, or I still am. Yeah. No matter what, no matter I've what, done, no matter the pain in my heart, right. Highs no, and lows, right. Sinner, full of sin, completely full of sin. I mean, there's no other, there's no right. other way. You're not, you're not never full of sin. So like, in my sins, you know, in, in my insufficiencies, in my brokenness, in my wins and my fails, like 
if you've, if you've ever loved me at all, if the Bible says anything about your love for me and I ever believed it, mm-hmm. I believe it still. Yeah. And I'm your girl. Yeah. Okay. So from, from two girls that belong to God, <laughs> um, what is it that you want your listeners to take from this podcast, from this episode? What do you want them to hear? You know, I think the biggest thing that really is hard to witness with my friends going through things like this is the shame. The shame that is over them because of the judgment hurled at them. Judgment from people in the church, people outside of the church. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to say it. People outside of the church are far less judgmental. Absolutely. That has been my experience. Some of some of my closest friends, the people who have held my hand and yeah. uh, lifted me up, brought yeah. me dinners, you know, like uh, t- taken care of me emotionally have been some people that are not in the church. Yeah. They are actually not even Christians. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it your divorce attorney that said her worst cases are yes. the Christian divorces? Yep. She said the the worst and messiest cases of divorce that she handles are from Christians. Yeah. The dirt the, the people who fight the dirtiest. Yeah. Gosh. My my heart is that someone who is considering divorce or who is lonely or who is in an unhealthy, toxic relationship that um that they feel they would be healthier and more healed from if they step out of that. My my goal is that listening to Alicia and her story that it would that it would give you hope that yeah, it's going to be shitty. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's a hard decision. It's an agonizing decision, one that I've laid awake and pondered many times, mm-hmm. one that my husband has laid awake and pondered many times. Should we do this? Should we and we've separated. Should we call it quits? And you know what? I don't know what the future is for us, for anyone. I I know that today we're going to keep fighting. We're going to do today. I'm going to take one day at a time. And that's what I would encourage the listener to do. Take one day at a time. And if there's that nagging, hopeless feeling um, and, and, and maybe just the scared, the fear of stepping out of the judgment I just want to say you've got two girls right here that are that will cheer you on and Absolutely. support you. There's no judgment here. There, I, I have no place to judge anyone or anything. No. And it is, you know, God is the ultimate. God is the only judge. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that would be my thought, that, that the shame would leave and that you would be led by the Holy Spirit not by social media, not by a pastor, not by uh, your parents, mm-hmm. not by pressure from anyone, but you would be led by the Holy Spirit. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Any I, any final thoughts you have? I, I hope that that somehow the church can be a safe place yeah. for people going through this. And the church is us, right? Right. I mean, right. is it us? I mean, we cannot rely on leaders in quotes, leaders to mm-hmm. do this. Like it's us, it's you and me and, you know, sister down the block and yep. it's all of us. Yeah. Like we have to be a safe place for people. Yep. And sometimes we can't do that unless we take care of our own right. issues. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. And again, I've, we've wanted to, we've talked about doing this for like a year and I'm so glad we finally got to sit down and, and chat and thank you for being vulnerable and honoring of you and your kids and your ex. And I just, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much, Alicia. Mm. And if you have, you know, if you want to follow her on Instagram, you have, you know, want to connect with her or, you know, she's a, actually, she's a brilliant writer. You are. She's working on a couple books too. Her Instagram is Splendid Wren. And she's also a realtor, you guys. She's, <laughs> she's a kick-ass realtor in the Sacramento, Northern California area. So if you need any assistance there she's she's your girl oh thank you (laughs) and so anyways thank you for coming on i hope this was helpful for you guys and we will see you next time thank you